Stringuli, bro. All right. Good evening. This is Penelope Flynn, one of your blurred assassins next door. And we are here in discussions from the other hood. And uh, we have for this, this evening, James and Sonia, Otto, Nikki, Roxanne. And tonight we are going to be discussing those universes that have won the hearts and minds of a nation, meaning the Filmways universe, uh, which is, you know, Henning Filmways universe, the MTM universe, Norman Lear's universe, and just about anything that we can imagine, these different universes that have basically created a mindset that the United States citizens, you know, throughout, I guess, how many years, 40, 50 years, have seen as real or false, or at least forming our concepts of what comedy or drama or or sometimes real life is really like. Before we get started, though, we talk about the weather. James Top Center, how is the weather in New York City? All right, now it's 37 degrees, it's cloudy. Um, it was overcast most of the day until later on in the afternoon. All right. And still overcast? Yeah, yeah, it's over it's overcast. Yeah. Um the going by my the hole in my shoe is the is damp outside too. Uh thank you, sir. And so yeah, how is further north Rochester? How you doing up there? I'm muted. Um, there you go. It it's it's balmy today. It got up to like thirty three, thirty four ish. And wow. and it's now 27. All the snow that was down on the ground on Wednesday melted. Oh wow! So so it's it's been we're having a mini heat wave. It's supposed to get up to I think 50 by the end of the next week. So all right, that's good weather. And Otto, we have to speak about your weather. Beautiful, weather's beautiful. No complaints except for my uh, electric bill. I got the uh, we got the. Uh, ramifications for it being like eight degrees mm -hmm. like in january our electric bill came in this this week at a resounding one thousand three hundred dollars wow we're the winners <laughs> yeah so no we're not too happy about it but sadly it's like what's happening to everybody that lives around here everybody got hit with these ridiculous bills which is kind of strange because we all don't live in the same kind of house. <clears throat> so it's, I'm wondering, you know, if they just randomly selected some numbers and just threw them all at us, you know, it remains to be seen. And Nikki, how is South Florida? Well, the weather here is good. We didn't have a big fat electric bill like you and Otto, but it was nice. Good. Sunny, pleasant, raining. It's pleasant. Excellent. Well, congratulations. Thank you. And congratulations on your electric bill. Oh, yeah, thanks. <laughs> so, so, Roxanne, how is your weather? Well, I can tell you this. I'm going to stop bitching about my $500 bill. Yeah. <laughs> like, whoa. Yeah, yeah they, they hit um, us. Well, first of all, and most important, we saw the sun today. <gasps> wow. Yes, it's like the first time in a week. Wow. So, wow. Um, so that was nice. It's um, it was 
it was pleasant today, about 45 degrees. And right now it's dropped to 35, but it's still clear. And, uh, and I've looked at the weather. We're supposed to see the sun tomorrow. Wow. Look at you all. Sunny days. I'm telling you. Tomorrow. I mean, living on a mid-Atlantic seaboard, you know, wow. (laughs) All right. So now we're going to get on to the issue of our universes. And, uh, you know, I know that I have my favorite, I have a bias, you know, towards certain universes and what they've offered, for instance, you know, the MTM universe, man, St. Elsewhere, right? Um, Mary Tyler Moore, Rhoda, Phyllis, um, what else do we have from Mary Tyler Moore universe? Um, MTM universe. Oh, oh, oh it's, a, it's, a, um, it's a White Shadow MTM universe as well. White Shadow. Yeah. So, I mean, oh, MTM, yeah, MTM universe is like fantastic. I mean, loved all those shows. And I mean, everybody, of course, knows that the Norman Lear universe, you know, All in the Family, the Jeffersons, uh, Maude, um, uh, Good Times. It's um, also, is Sanford and Son also Norman Lear? He's Norman Lear. Is it? Anybody know for sure? He's Norman Lear, but I think it's a different. Yeah. It's yeah, Bud, Bud York and Norman Lear. Mm-hmm. But, but, but I remember it's Sanford and Son. Actually, it's not really, is it? Because it is a remake of a British show, Steptoe and Son. So it's not really something they created. It's a, it's a takeoff. On another show. Where is it? All in the Family a, a, a takeoff from a British show? I don't know. Is it? I, no, I think so. it is. I yeah. think the the name of the British show. I could be wrong. Is um, till death do us part. I, mm, think. I think you're right. I'm seeing that at the end of the show in the closing credits. Okay, cool. So I guess. And we had those. I don't know if what's the other one, like Grey's Anatomy or the Shonda Rhimes shows and stuff like that. I don't know if they're all connected in any way as a universe, but I know that there is a, a Shonda Rhimes, you know, shows that are all, you know, out and about. Grey's Anatomy and Station 19 are connected. I'm not sure about the, I think the others are too, because mm-hmm. I think there was a scandal, How to Get Away with Murder crossover. Mm. Okay, cool. All well, right, I, I mean, I mean, Penelope, don't be need to, like define what a universe is. I mean, if you have like one spinoff or a couple of shows, does that make it a universe, or is it is it like a minimum amount of you know related shows that makes your 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 universe makes up an actual universe? What do you think? What is your definition? Of what the universe is? Well, I think you know before we came on, uh, you, you mentioned Mash, and someone said there was a Mash. Aftermath show that's staying on for like a year. I don't, I don't, I would not consider that a universe. If you think that that's uh, like the Andy Griffith universe, you know, Mayberry and Mayberry RFD and all those other things, or mm-hmm. the uh, Beverly Hillbillies universe with Gomer Pyle, remember also Gomer Pyle, yeah, Gomer Pyle yeah, yeah. I think you need more than one sibling or protege. Well, Mash had Mash had Trapper John and After Mash. Yeah, but you know what? Trapper John was so different from Mash. You know, it's such it was a drama, and it didn't have the same feel at all. And I don't think they were harking back to Mash unless you all remember a show where they harkened back to someone from Mash, 
other than this, the, other than Matt Sinclair, I think who was supposed to be one of the nurses. Okay, so so what about Lou Grant? Lou Grant, yeah, Lou, also very that different. Was, from that was, you know, but I would still consider that yeah part of the universe, just yeah. like um, there's maybe it's on YouTube, but there was also a show. I could be wrong related to to the MTM universe called The Good Guys. It it was it came out I believe the same time mm -hmm. as um the Mary Tyler Moore show. It was about two guys that were I think radio DJs. I don't um, recall that show. Yeah, I think it lasted only a couple of episodes if anything. Mm -hmm. And that's another thing when you bring that up. Are there any shows that are related to WKRP in Cincinnati? I don't know what universe that is, but I know that that's a show that had a lot of um, people that watched it, you know, part of the, you know, that uh, viewership. And, and, and then you have what they call um, backdoor spinoffs. Mm -hmm. Like with the Cosby show, they had an episode which was actually a backdoor spinoff. And I think it was, um, I think it was Tony Orlando and Rita Moreno. Rita Moreno. Yeah, Moreno. You know, I think I remember that just, just briefly. You know, just in the back of my mind, you say that. Like, yeah, I kind of remember seeing something like that. Yeah, that that was a backdoor spinoff. Um, mm -hmm. Remember the Dukes of Hazard was was it Enos Enos. Um, I did not watch the Dukes of Hazard. I would. Yeah, know. no, I I didn't watch it myself, but they had a, a backdoor spinoff where it was kind of the dim-witted deputy sheriff had ended up in Los Angeles as as a member of the Los Angeles police force. Recall that. Yeah, and to and to show you how well it did. I think the next season he ended up back on the Dukes, Dukes of Hazard. Yikes. And yeah. here we go. That, that sounds like another version of the Beverly Hillbillies. Yeah. But the, the, Beverly, the Beverly Hillbillies, that was the Beverly Hillbillies, Petticoat Junction, Green Acres. Mm -hmm. They They're were all, ways. Yeah. Yeah. That was the universe. Yeah. That was Filmways. Mm hmm. And those people actually, you saw them on each other's shows, you know. Yeah, that's Some another thing. between shows. He was showing up on other people's yeah. shows like multiple times. Mm -hmm. Like the the basketball player, um, forgot his name. That was on the White Shadow. He mm -hmm. was a he was a janitor on Saint Coolidge. Elsa. Coolidge. Yeah, that's what. I, but I was at, get ready to say, was Coolidge, Coolidge, on Saint Elsewhere. Was that yeah, his name was Coolidge. It was, yeah, it was, it was Coolidge on it, so that's cool. Yeah. Also, what is the other ones, like the Barney Miller? Um, Fish. Fish. Well, it's Welcome Back, Carter, in that universe? I don't think so. It looked like it should be, but it wasn't. It's not the same people that created it? Because I know I read somewhere where they were talking about this, this you know, they laughed, ha-ha, about the Sweat Hogs being in jail. That they're going to do the Sweat Hogs being in jail and Barney Miller. So that, that would have been interesting. 
All right, so Cranston has a great looking wooden desk edge thing. Yeah. Computer? All right. He's on, the He's on the edge. Yeah, we all we can see your your t shirt, Jacksonville um guards. Jaguars. Jaguars, yeah. ah. I can see the beginning of that. Okay, yeah, I just said the guard gar, guards, of course. But we can now yeah, that's still it. can't see your face. You see your chest, but that's okay if that's not the way you want to present yourself. Your chest, Colleen's. All right. Well, we're talking about the different universes of television shows, and I guess you came in when we were discussing that the filmways, Green Acres, and um, by the way, is Kilkins Island part of any universe, or is it a one-off? There is a one-off. Yeah. And then I mean, we have there's some shows that lasted a long, long time, mm -hmm. like Gunsmoke. Yeah. That never, to my knowledge, never had a spinoff or anything like mm -hmm. the Festus show or something. Well, well, with with Gunsmoke, if if you notice, the first couple of years, the show was focused on um on Marshall Dillon, mm -hmm. but then um, James Arness he had so much pull. That after a while, he kind of very rarely appeared. Even he appeared in the mm -hmm. beginning of the episode or the end. Mm -hmm. But for most of the show, they would just hand it off to like a guest star. Right. Yeah. Toward the end, it was sort of like what they do on some of the other shows now that there would be a lot of individual one-off episodes with some of the secondary characters. Mm-hmm. So technically, yeah. it was still the same show. You know, he still shot that same guy in the beginning, uh, which I never explained exactly how did that happen. That would I can either rescue or shoot you. Okay, well, uh, I'm feeling lucky yeah. today, you know. So. Yeah, but it never had a, it never had a really like a, it never had a formal spinoff, you know. I mean, a show that was on for so long, you know, mm -hmm. I think. But I guess if you have these shows like that that are on for so long, I think people who are in the show probably getting tired, you know, and want to play, you know, some other roles, and they're getting typecast and they want to move on. And was, but you know, as we talk about yeah. it, the thing I want to ask is, you know, through all, you know, all of us have seen, you know, quite a few of these shows, but which ones do you believe had the most effect on you growing up? Hmm. I think I'm, Norman, I would think um, MTM and Norman Lear universe. Mm -hmm. I think Norman Lear's universe is real, like a segregated universe. Because, you know, I was watching All in the Family. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, Archie Bunker is a nitwit. But he has a job. Right. No one knows whether he had a high school education or not. We just, I guess, mm -hmm. presumed he has a job that yeah. he could afford a house in Queens. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But when they have a black family, you know, they live in the projects and they could barely, you know, they're living day to day. You know what I mean? Well, so, I mean, but not the Jeffersons, though. Not the Jeffersons, no. But when, when the Jeffersons are, are you know, well resourced, mm -hmm. they got a lot of resources, mm -hmm. they, they, they're clownish. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I mean, it just, it's, it's so clownish that nobody ever asked, nobody ever said, hey, you know, that, doesn't that doesn't reflect reality the, the way mm -hmm. they the way they they responded to the Cosby show right 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 
you know so it's like you know a black guy he uh his history is his his he was a sharecropper or somebody was a sharecropper or something whatever yeah and then he you know he rose up and he started with one dry cleaning business mm-hmm. and then he started on these other dry cleaning businesses mm-hmm. and then he moved to the he's moved next to archie bunker mm-hmm. and then he uh got more money and then he moved to the upper west side or and then, and, and, uh, yeah and then and then he um he lives next to like a guy who's a translator for the u.n you know so it's like why why is it why doesn't he live in harlem yeah or why is he in the penthouse in the building that he's in? Because he makes he more money building? than probably anybody else in the building. Yeah, why did why did why did he just buy the building and evict everybody? <laughs> well, I yeah. think it was what they said in the uh, in in the song that mm-hmm. it was considered that was the ultimate achievement is that I can move out of the neighborhood and I won't try to. Mm-hmm. build it up or buy a building or something like that to diversify i'm just going to move out mm-hmm. and move upstairs next to all of these people and that proves that i have finally made my life's goal and stuff mm-hmm. I, I have five dry cleaning stores and i live in this uh i guess on one of the upper floors so i'm happy yeah but he owns dry cleaning stores in black neighborhoods so mm-hmm. but he don't live in them is he just like the it's like everybody else. Yeah. And that proves he's moved up to the east side. Yeah. Yeah, yeah well, so. well, again, like I, I said many podcasts ago, there were people like that. Like I said, mm-hmm. when I used to do messenger work, mm-hmm. I used to deliver stuff to black families, rich black families on the Upper East Side. Also, in the Bronx, is anybody heard of River Park Towers? Yes. Okay. At one point, River Park Towers, that was the place that a lot of black people were striving to get to. Mm. Okay. If you worked for any job with the city, you was a school teacher, fire department, police, post office, you were trying to get an apartment into in River Park Towers. And the thing about River Park Towers was you had a gentleman by the name of Fred Lewis. And to show you where he was coming from, he was the black county Republican head of the Bronx. And he had this thing where we were told that if you moved into River Park Towers, he would actually come when the day came for you to move in with the moving truck and look at your furniture. Okay. And he would actually suggest to people that they needed to upgrade their furniture. Wow. Yeah. I got yeah. something to look at. <laughs> yeah. And uh, listen, I, I think I told you guys before, maybe on the other podcast, that at that time, if you was a teenager, you went to River Park Tower to a party, <laughs> the lights were on. <laughs> no, the lights were on. Um. The chaperones were there. Yeah. If you had wanted to slow dance with a girl, <laughs> you had to do that with the lights on. Mm-hmm. What's okay. the fun in that? What's the fun in that? Well, but, and, and, and and the other thing is though, but he's all these people who are municipal workers and everything. Mm-hmm. That's that's cool, but you know, Je- George Jefferson 
he's like the 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 carpet baggers. He owns he owns business in black communities, but he don't live. Mm-hmm. He, 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 your, your community is good enough for me to take money out of, but it's not for me to live. Yeah, well, that, that mm-hmm. was the case with that gentleman I told you about. His name was Llewellyn. Mm-hmm. He owned Pepsi bottling of Philadelphia, but Mississippi got damned if he would live in Philadelphia. He lived on the Upper East Side of Manhattan. Mm-hmm. Just like with um, the black owner, there was these black supermarkets in in New York City called Fedco, okay? Very rarely would you see him actually in the Fedco stores, <laughs> okay? It was fine for him, you know, to spend your money in the stores, but you would you wouldn't hardly see him. Mm. So do you think then that people see something like the Jeffersons and they say, yeah, that this is this is the way it's done. This is the appropriate way. This is what moving on up looks like. Do you think that that had an effect on people? Yeah, I, I, on any of us. Yeah, I I think it did, but at the same time, that was the case with New York City in general with everybody. Everybody mm-hmm. was at one point trying to get out of New York. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because of a bad PR campaign, you know, you thought that it was the end of the world in New York in the '70s. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It was the same. It was. I think I mentioned it before. In the seventies, you had a lot of Jewish families on the concourse, but the minute that Co-op City opened, it was like night and day. Next thing you know, they had all moved to Co-op City. So, how about um, Archie Bunker? You know, in um, in Queens. Yeah, no, you live in Queens. But I'm saying, do people think that that's the way? that New Yorkers were, a certain type of working class New Yorkers were, were people that watched that, affected by that, and believe that that's, you know, the average, you know, New York working class guy. Yeah, unfortunately, unfortunately, people have stereotypes mm-hmm. of, of how New York is supposed to be, what they, what they think it is. Mm-hmm. And, um, that type of person, Archie Bunker, living in Queens and everything, that's just one facet of New York City. You know, you had different... Uh, look at the, um, the, what is it, the open the title of Naked City. You have mm-hmm. 8 million stories yeah. in Naked City, right. you know. But some people gravitated to a lot of the negative, and I really think no matter what race or ethnic group you belong to it was this this narrative that you had to get out mm. but you know looking at archie bunker it doesn't you don't really get the sense that he's in new york city he could be in anywheresville you know bigot bigotville usa you know i mean there's no there's no you know you know city there's no well but i just i disagree with that because well so he's not in new york and i'm watching the show you know the way he talks, the accent he, you know, he's putting out there. That you, this is how you know certain New Yorkers are. That this is you know how they they perceive the world. Yeah, and so and, think- and, and I'm a I'm gonna tell you something else. With Queens, yes, Queens looks like that. Okay, Queens is like a whole different world when it comes to New York City. 
I mean, Queens is the only borough, I think we talked about this before, Queens mm-hmm. is the only part of New York City where they will not pit Queens on their envelopes when they mail. <laughs> They'll pit Jamaica, New York, yeah, Elmswood, yeah. New York. I had a friend that. that did that, too, for Jamaica, New York. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I think most of the New Yorkers will agree with that, but there is New York in popular entertainment, mm-hmm. and then there's New York City that people actually live in. And one of the favorite things they like to do is say that um, there was, they did an article once about whether the people who lived in New York, could they afford to live where they did? And I think the only person they said that could actually afford to live where he appeared to live was Castle because he was a millionaire writer and he could afford these places, but mm-hmm. the people on Friends could not live in those half a floor lofts that they have. Mm-hmm. Um, all these other people couldn't live that. And um, there's this idea of what New York is from popular media, mm-hmm. but probably the people who live there, they shake their heads when they see these things come up. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, yeah, I, I think, think George Jefferson could I think you're right, Cranston. I think you're right. Um, when, and this, this is just my impression, when most people say New York, they think of Manhattan. Yeah. They're not talking about the rest of the boroughs and they certainly aren't talking about Staten Island. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's the picture that people get, you know, where they, they all live in these really nice apartments and blah, 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 that nobody can, mm-hmm. well, considering what they may do for a living, Whatever they're making, they can't afford to live there. Right. And um, and of course, I mean, I've spent years in New York City. I lived in Manhattan. I also lived in Brooklyn. And where I lived in Manhattan, it didn't look like that. <laughs> mm-hmm. I lived um, I lived a couple blocks up from Alphabet Jungle, uh-huh. and um, sure didn't look like that. And uh, now Brooklyn was Brooklyn was about right. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I didn't live in Park Slope, it, Prospect Heights or something like that, you know, mm-hmm. and it was, it was okay. It was okay. It had its, um, mm-hmm. um, I also lived in Spanish Harlem. That was interesting too. Um, but yeah, I mean, Manhattan doesn't look like Fifth Park, Madison, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, Lexington. <laughs> yeah. It really doesn't. It really doesn't. And if you live there, you know, you're making a lot more than the than the average bloke. Well, George Jefferson, I think, could afford to live. Where well, he lived, yeah. Because I, I oh, went yes. to this site. I went to this site like uh, a couple of years ago called uh, Dad TV Dad Salary Sites, mm-hmm. and I think they showed George Jefferson making like seven fifty a year. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, but the, but that's just it. If George Jefferson owns five dry cleaning establishments in New York City, I would think he would be able to afford to live on the Upper East Side. Yeah, no joke. Yeah, yeah, but those those people from Friends can't. What the hell no. are they doing there? <laughs> so I, I see. That's exactly what I'm. Yeah. Talking about. Nobody, nobody, nobody said anything about what these people do, but yeah. the apartments they had. And live, yeah. sing, and live is single. Look how many people it took for. For them to pay the rent, yeah, yeah. Thank God, they had like three, four people living in the yeah. same unit, yeah. Well, and well then, again, I mean, you know, again, it's 
New York is so many different stories, so many different mm-hmm. lifestyles. Um, it's it's just like I said, it's it's just so, so many different ways to look at it. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, if one time I looked at a map of where the TV shows actually are in Manhattan, mm-hmm. and I found out that um, if we went by that map, the Jeffersons lived a little bit down and over from me, mm-hmm. I guess on between around 2nd and 3rd Avenue. Mm-hmm. The I couple was further down on um, Park Avenue. And the um, Ricardo's, actually that address would pit them right in the middle of the East River. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's funny you say these about these shows, but I got to tell you, when I watched um, uh, St. Elsewhere, that's the first show I ever saw where I think I had a positive impression of Boston. Well, th- I was going to ask, does anybody know mm-hmm. what city... Sin elsewhere was in, and yeah, it's Boston. Yeah, and Boston, yeah. Yeah, and they, they show this, this sense of Boston that's, uh, I don't know, it's kind of poor, white, working class kind of thing. I don't, yeah. But that's because that's what St. Allegis was. You know, it was in a, a neighborhood that was in decline, I guess, you know? Yeah. And constantly, you know, fighting for funding. And it, it was in the, I mean, there was no gentrification there. I mean, no. It was in decline for a long mm-hmm. time, right? Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. yeah they were universe. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, you know, Boston. With me in Boston, the first time I went up there some years ago to visit my cousin. He's a, a artist in Dorchester. I was very guarded. Okay, I was mm-hmm. very guarded because I had heard so many horror stories about Boston. And I mean, firsthand, um, a woman I used to date, she told me she went to Boston and um, for no reason, a white woman just walked past and spit in her face. I would have tore that bitch up. <laughs> you know? Are you kidding me? I don't give a damn yes, what you're doing. You're yeah, where they hide the body, yeah. Yeah, are you kidding? Are you joking? What uh-uh. is she, yeah, this is what she told me. This is I what got to spit me. for you. If there was a time when Boston was called up south, you know, I, I don't know, but I think of Boston, I think of that black guy being held by those two white guys, and then another white guy has an American flag on a pole about to impale him. Yeah. Remember that picture? Yes. Yeah, and, and I mean, look, look what they did to Bill Russell. Yeah, Bill yes. Russell couldn't do no wrong, he was winning championships for mm-hmm. them, you know, with the Celtics. He buys a house on the wrong side of town, mm-hmm. and not only did they tear up his house, they defecated in his bed, mm-hmm. covered it up, and sprayed perfume so he wouldn't smell it at first. Yeah, there was a story recently that they said that they had, the same time they were doing this, they used to have a Bill Russell day to show their appreciation for him, <laughs> and they wanted to bring it back now. And they said that most of the people in the town, or a lot of the people in the town, did not want to do it because they said it's a part of our past that we're not proud of, so we don't want to wallow mm-hmm. in it. Mm-hmm. And then the thing that I always love, whenever something comes up, they always say it makes a lot of people feel uncomfortable. 
Don't you? Yeah, but you don't feel you. uncomfortable about it because you actually did it. How do you think the people you did it to feel about it? Exactly. Well, the, I, I mean, th you know, that goes into the two universes, the mm -hmm. Lear and the NTM universe. The Lear universe is very comfortable making certain certain people comfortable. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Yeah. And 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 the MTM universe, they took on a lot of uncomfortable uh, topics and subjects. Yeah. If, you, if you watch yeah. The White Shadow or or, mm -hmm. or Saint Elsewhere or uh, even uh, anti-Semitism and, and and Mary Tyler Moore show and 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 racism, um, for instance, even the the casting of of Gordy. I think at one point someone wanted uh, Gordy to be the sports uh, caster because he was black and. And they said, no, we want to, we want to, we don't want to cast them like that because that's, that's stereotypical. It's stereotype, you know, like, like, yeah. yeah, it's a stereotype. And so you, you have uh, Maude in the, in the Norman Lear universe mm -hmm. talk about things like, you know, midlife pregnancy and um, getting an abortion and, and Archie Bunker as, as stupid as he was talking about really, you know, life changing subjects. You don't have that kind of conversation on good times. Or yeah. even the Jeffersons. I think the the most deep conversation I remember on the Jeffersons is like, uh, I think one of their uncles, George Jefferson, called the Uncle Tom, and then mm -hmm. that guy gave like a lesson as to the you know the origins of Uncle Tom mm -hmm. and what it means and, mm -hmm. and etc. I think that's well, the deepest they got. You know no, what? I, I, if if I remember correctly, I think there was an episode where some type of racist group was trying to have a meeting in George's um, building, mm -hmm. you know. Occasionally, yeah. what do you do? always be the D or C story. Mm -hmm. And there was one episode where uh, George was talking with Tom and Helen, and he had said that the uh, reason, and I think she said, well, we never argue. And he said, well, the reason you all don't argue is you know that if you did have an argument, he was going to say, and then Tom tried to stop him, and George said, you're going to call her, and he said mm -hmm. the N-word. Mm -hmm. And after that, they did have a brief discussion about, well, if that did happen, we would talk and work it out and everything. Mm -hmm. So they would incidentally, it would be the B or C or D story mm -hmm. that mentioned something actually happening, but it was never anything like George couldn't get a cab outside the building. Mm -hmm. The uh, new doorman didn't want to let him in, or something mm -hmm. like that. Right, right. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't have those deep conversations on those shows with black characters. You know, right. Where on the White Shadow, they always did. Yeah. You know, a lot of very deep conversations, but but they were like age that didn't make people comfortable. Yeah, uncomfortable. But, but I, I like the fact that age appropriate. With these, you know, high school age boys, they didn't act like they were, you know, all in gangs or thugs. They're just high school boys doing things that high school boys do, which is why I love that show so much. Sure, there were people. Yeah, there was a child that got killed. There was, you know, people who were involved in gangs, some in, in drugs, but it wasn't like this pervasive thing that you know everybody's doing this. So I thought it was really good. Yeah, well, yeah. one of my favorite MTM shows. Yeah. But there was a thing they did once, it was one of those, and I know a lot of people have a lot of feelings about this particular movie, Crash, but there was this one. Okay. I know we lost Cranston. This one, and they just froze. He's frozen <laughs> in time. Yeah, there he is. The frozen. producers of Crash. 
Uh, and uh, where he, and uh, Tony Danza comes up to him and says, Hold up, hold on. Hold on, Chris. You have to back yeah. up a little. You froze. Oh, okay, yeah. He said, The producers have crashed. And then, yeah, uh, it was, uh, yeah, the, um, there's this one scene, don't Tony Danza, who was the uh, producer of the show that was, I uh, guess, like a good times, like mm -hmm. um, black show. And, um, and Terrence Howard, who's the director, and Tony Danza comes over and says that I guess the character who would have been like JJ was seeming a little smarter than he was before, mm -hmm. and they need to dial it back some. And Terrence Howard had to say, well, you know, this is making him more like a real person or something like mm -hmm. that. And Danza says, essentially, no, we want the old character, so that's what we need to do. And if you're having trouble with that, well, we might have to find somebody else who can do that. Mm -hmm. And so he just kind of did everything and just says, okay, well, we'll change it in the next episode. And they mm -hmm. were all happy. So that might have been a comment back on discussions they did have somewhere on some of those shows, like mm -hmm. That's My Mama and whatever else. Yeah, yeah. Where they said, well, you know, they want to see the characters uh, clowning around and everything. And that takes away the expectations of what people tune in for. Yeah. I mean, um, I was thinking about even shows, for instance, like Different World, you know, spinoff of the Cosby show that, you know, it was some things that at the very beginning of the shows, you know, they were very, you know, comedic. And then yeah, later, was on the show, right. But after she left, that Debbie Allen came on, they're much more serious issues, not just serious, but issues that really appealed to that college age black student that you know was you know interested in either going to school or that in school if you had gone to school they could reckon uh with you know those particular situations which i thought was really great and um i think that in fact i remember reading that how so many black students after that you know the the college application rate for these kids going to hbcus just skyrocketed when black kids saw what we, oh, you're kidding? There's schools I can go to with people like me and, and I, you know, enjoy the company of my peers. So I thought that was really, really good. And, and in that sense, that had a very real effect, you know, on um, a certain segment of the U.S. population, you know, our black community. So I thought that, yeah, that in that sense, also the Cosby universe, even though a very small universe, a concept that you have, you know, a black family with children that is just you know doing black family with children things you know everything doesn't have to be trauma porn you know yeah well that showed the difference of the, of the universes you know all the ones that we said how we really like like the mtm and and mm -hmm. and, and cosby they had actual people in the writing room who had those experiences mm -hmm. yeah. you know you could tell that even if there wasn't a black person in an mtm writing room they've been talking to people and consulting people right right uh, things like that where before different worlds started out it was a hbcu in name only right they, they were just treating it like any other college when hbcus aren't like any other colleges right exactly right. exactly i think that's right and, and look at the the mtm universe i remember a story john amos told there was a a guy um who was I guess he was an old head on the on their show, Mary Tyler Moore mm -hmm. show, mm -hmm. and it was whatever season it was. They were taking a, a 
of I guess a, a photograph of mm-hmm. the cast, and he said, uh, "Hey John, why don't you smile so that we can see you because it's so dark." And um, that guy was gone the next day. It wasn't. It wasn't like you know, let's talk to this guy or let's. Be- he, his ass was gone the next day, yeah. and so. You know, that's to me, that's the kind of devotion to mm-hmm. diversity and so-called inclusion yeah. that, that that was already happening. And too bad it didn't, you know, spread to other places, because in the Norman Lear universe, if you're you're a black person, you said, you know, I don't like this because, you know, J.J. is acting like a stereotype like Kingfish on, mm-hmm. on um, Amos and Andy. It's like, your ass, your ass, I'm sending your ass to Alaska. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Where you will be killed. <laughs> well, those shows well, I, were almost, uh, almost like targeted for which audience do we want to get, mm-hmm. and we're going to give them. It's not going to be a unified thing, but it's going to be, you know, if you want zany, far out, you know, dynamite humor, you got your show over here, and if you want something that's a little more Morris and political, you've got that stuff over here. Sonia, you were saying something. No, I said I just found a site where they actually list, you know, some of the complaints that were at the time, and there were some complaints about the Jeffersons not being with it or you know falling to stereotypes and how mm-hmm. it changed during the Reagan administration portion that corresponded with the Reagan administration. Mm. That there were actual changes that uh, came about. You know, sudden, all of a sudden, um, Louise and um, some of the other characters spoke more formal English, and how they dropped the Jefferson strut walk that he would do whatever he thought he won stuff. So I think that they were slowly becoming more sensitive to the times. Mm-hmm. Just took them way too long to do it. Yeah, yeah. I'll uh, put it into the chat. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, it's like the damage is already done, though. It's like, uh, you yep. know, what? I'm getting ready to go off the air. By the way, these are these are stereotypes, y'all. Goodbye. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, you know, we talked a little bit about um, you touch on the universes, but how about the Danny Thomas universe, which includes um, all the Mayberry shows, Gomer Pyle, you know, that how those affected, you know, our psyche. You know, in the in the U.S. Well, some rich well, hillbillies. Can't you um, mm-hmm. kind of connect that to the to the Desi Lou universe? Mm-hmm. To some extent, because I think some universe? of them are. Is the Desi Lou universe? Is that the Star Trek universe, the Untouchables universe? Yeah, because it... I think that Star. Well, what is it? Oh, what is his name? Um, I, I did the Danny Thomas. This is the Mayberry stuff. Mm-hmm. It's Mayberry, Mayberry RFD, uh, Gomer Pyle. That's all those day. The Danny Thomas show spawned all those. And it may be, you know, that that is Desilu. Yeah. Because uh, 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 the Untouchables is Desilu too, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's Twilight Zone. Mm-hmm. Twilight Zone, Desilu? First season no. of Twilight Zone. I don't know about that one. There's a thing that they have where um, they showed on the pilot they shot um, Desi's the one who did the introduction instead of Sterling. Sterling. You got to show really? me Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they got to show me that one. Send a link mm-hmm. or something. 
Yeah. 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 Ricky Ricardo saying <laughs> an opening to the Twilight okay. Zone. Yeah, I'll hunt yeah. for it. Whoa, I have never seen that. Yeah, I, that, saw, I, it like on, that. I saw it on YouTube. It's, yeah, it's very strange. Yeah. You sure it wasn't an AI? <laughs> if it was AI, it was really good. No, because I, I, know, I think what, really good. No, I, I think what it was was I could be wrong, and maybe Sonya could correct me, but I think it started off like on a um type of drama hour. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, when it was yeah. on the Westinghouse Playhouse. Yeah. Oh. Three of its episodes that was part of the Desilu Play, Westinghouse Desilu Playhouse, an anthology series produced by Desilu Productions between 58 and 60. Three of its pilots served as, three of its episodes served as pilots for the 1950s series, Twilight Zone and The Untouchables. Hmm. Which which ones? Uh, the it just says it doesn't say which ones. Hold which on, let me see if I go down and find my the ref their references. And and, and, and this, this, so you have ahead. Desi saying, "Say hello to my little friend somewhere." Uh, yeah, I, that, that seems weird as hell. No, it is. It is. It, and and, it and is the thing weird. is, so, but the thing is, is that uh, you have like uh, happy days in that universe. Yeah, the yeah. Surely starting from mm -hmm. Love American style. So yeah, yeah. I guess Stranger Things has happened before, you know. Mm -hmm. Well, they did. A yeah, but, but I was going to say, but regardless, the question is, how were you affected by those shows? The Gomer Piles, the Mayberry, Andy Griffith, Griffith show, uh, Danny Thomas show. Did any of those things really affect you? And you know. I don't know whether that girl is attached to Danny Thomas shows universe or not, but did those shows, I mean, I know for instance, that girl always had a great effect on me because that's like what I considered when I was growing up. Wow. Look at that. New York. You know, the opening is fantastic. But um, Mayberry, uh, I know when I was growing up, you watched the Andy Griffith show, even as an adult watching the Andy Griffith show, you know, that homespun kind of, humor and, and the system of justice. But then I know so many people who actually from the Carolinas, et cetera, they hate that show. And so they don't find that to be appealing at all or endearing at all because those people who are like that, talk like that, et cetera, they were all racist. Well, so, yeah, what? well, for, for, for me, it was like, I would be, you know, the Andy Griffith show, I'd be laughing, <laughs> and then I'm like, "Where's the black people?" <laughs> you know? They have black people. They have black people walk around. They'd be like, "Every yeah. once in a while, but they didn't and have you would, lines. you would be hard. I listen. I saw an episode recently, and I was like, "Holy crap!" There were black people. Yeah, yeah. There. Especially the black color, people didn't make it. You know? the black people didn't make it to the jail because they were lynched ahead of time. Okay, now don't even. That's not. That's not. Even, that's not funny at all. Uh, last year they did a segment on um, Sunday morning that uh, Ted Koppel did, where in one of those towns near where they filmed some of the uh, exteriors for the show, because mm -hmm. a lot of the stuff, like when Andy and Opie are walking mm -hmm. down to the creek and stuff and everything, mm -hmm. that was California. Uh -huh. But um, 
the they, uh, they have turned it into a sort of a, a uh, knockoff kind of theme park. Mm-hmm. And they have made up some of the places like it looked like the service station. And they have built a replica of the cool. jail, that kind of thing. And then they have bus tours going around. So Compo was asking the people on this bus tour, and all of them were white. And he was saying about how, you know, like, what is it that's appealing about that particular show? And they said, well, it harkens back to a time when people were all together and this, that, and the other. And then Compo said, yeah, but it wasn't exactly a good time for black people back then. And guy said, well, yeah, that's true. That might have been it. But we just want to go and get away from it now so we can live in the place we were happy growing <laughs> up. So, um, wow. Uh, yeah. So oh, they kind of want it both ways. You want to live in a happier time when you didn't see black people except once every like 15th episode or something like that. Yeah. And they had no lines at, at the time. So, right, right. Right. So, I mean, again, then this universe for, uh, for the, you know, Andy Griffith, Mayberry stuff, Gomer Pyle. I mean, Gomer Pyle was supposed to be in California, right? You know, when he went into basic training. So, I mean, what was your feeling, you know, about that? Did that make you think any way in particular about <laughs> military or lucky you're laughing, James? What is because it? my feeling was why isn't his ass over in Vietnam? That was <laughs> oh, he was oh he was on his way. Was yeah, because remember what is the thing? I mean, you um, never saw, the you first never saw full metal jacket. You ever see full metal, full metal jacket? Yeah. That the full metal jacket. The beginning of Full Metal Jacket is the first episode of Gomer Pyle. Did you know that? <laughs> if you ever watch the first episode of Gomer Pyle, that is what Full Metal Jacket is. It is a retelling of the first episode of Gomer Pyle. No joke. Was Gomer didn't take out Sergeant Carter with a, with a carbine. Right. He did not. So but I'm just saying that it is a retelling so of what actually probably would have happened. When he so couldn't go over the wall and all this kind of stuff. So you're saying the same writer that wrote Full Metal Jacket, he wrote the, the pilot episode. No, I said the pilot episode of Gomer Pyle. Right. Stanley Kubrick took that and retold it. That's what the beginning of um, Full Metal Jacket is. It is the first episode of Gomer Pyle. Go well, back you, and find the it, first episode of Gomer Pyle I, and I, watch I, it. I'm, and I'm, you see, I'm, it is exactly... Yeah. Now, I'm not surprised because mm-hmm. that was the same thing with the Outer Limits and Terminator. You know, people rip people off. Yeah, I'm mm-hmm. not surprised, but I know. I think it was an homage. I think less of a rip off. Yeah, I don't think it was homage. Was a, I, I it mean, was an they, homage they called the guy. Go, the guy. The well, well you know, you, you, well, you know what? At the end of the day, when I would watch it, whether it's Full Metal Jacket or not, at the end of the day, growing up, I was like, why isn't his ass? <laughs> in Vietnam, my neighbor, my neighbor, my neighbor, Roger Poole, Roger Poole, <laughs> one minute he's playing the drums upstairs, the next thing you know, he's over in Vietnam, you know? Wow. I, I know the same thing my uncle, I mean, he was, he graduated from high school at 17, the next thing you know, he's in, he's in Saigon. Yep. So that's, that's how it went down, but you know, it's like, when you watch Goma Powell, you know, Mm-hmm. I'm thinking, you know, none of this is reality. Mm-hmm. I mean, people think of TV, all television, like some reality, but you know, none of it is. You know mm-hmm. that that's why the 
the Kubrick version of the first episode of Goma Pile is so damn funny and tragic at the same time. Yes. Yeah. It showed you what would have happened if Pyle, Goma Pyle had gone into the real military. Yes. It's like, you know, like the sergeant says, you can't tell your left from your right. And he yeah, slaps the left side of your face. This is your left. And mm-hmm. he slaps the right side of his face. This is your right. Now pick up your fucking hat. Your cover. <laughs> pick up your cover. That's what, that's what would have happened in, uh, yeah. in, Goma, in Goma Pyle for real. No, don't get me started with Full Metal Jacket. This is my rifle. This is my gun. My God. This is for fun. <laughs> this is for fun. But Woo. but you but you know what? I think I think with Goma Pile, and I could be wrong, but I think in a way it was kind of not in a way. I think it was like a pro type of Vietnam type of message that they. The powers that be wanted it to be told during that time, but they never mentioned Vietnam. Yeah, I know, like, but I know that. But but still, at that time we were we were in Vietnam, and I think like the last track though. Yeah, yeah track, and, it's like and, it's mm-hmm. like Hogan Heroes. They never yeah, talk, and I they think talk about Nazis, but they don't yeah, talk about the Holocaust. Yeah, but I think right. I think it was more or less uh, pro. Vietnam statement now by the time of the Tet Offensive in 1968 that was pretty much a done deal. Nobody really had a a pro Vietnam you know Mm -hmm. outlook at by then by the Tet Offensive but I do think at that time it was sort of like a a cushion for the military spoke so to speak. Mm -hmm. But the other thing about it that was so bad was exactly what did they do? Okay, they were out of basic now. So what did they do all day? You never saw them do drills. You never saw them do artillery. You never saw them do anything but have zany adventures. (laughs) Zany zany adventures. I like that. You know, the thing is, I can't remember any zany zany adventures that Goma Pau had. Well, so I mean, I remember joke, doing... That stupid joke, Penelope, you tell Elaine... What's that name of this girlfriend? Luann Poovey. Luann Poovey. The, the stupid joke you told about Goma Powell and his girlfriend, Luann Poovey. <laughs> okay, I, I tell my, my husband Jody jokes, but yes. Yeah, I'm not... I'll tell it off the air, man. I'll tell my Jody jokes off the air. Is that the popcorn joke? Go ahead. No! Go ahead and tell it. You got one too? Uh, What's yours, Cranston? What's yours? Uh, Gomer and Luann are sitting there in the movie and everything, and uh, he has the popcorn over in his lap, and he keeps reaching for it and stuff and wonders why the popcorn is different. And he says, surprise, surprise, surprise. And you can see Okay. All right. Mine, of course, is Luann, Poovy, and, and, Oh, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, that's your own joke. Yeah. Okay, okay, I'm not gonna tell it off the air. I'm not gonna tell it now. No, say it. Say it. I, uh, okay. All right. So growing up, of course, this is a joke that you learn when you're like in middle school. Okay, and we refer to it as the nasty cobra pile. All right. There you go. So Luann, Poovy, and Gomer are out, um, on a date, and they're sitting together. And it says, uh, he says, uh, wait, can I put my arm around you? 
well, show come. Okay. I said, well, Luann, can I kiss you? Well, show gone. I said, Luann, can I stick my finger in your belly button? I said, well, show gone. Oh, gone. That's not my belly button. Oh, that ain't my finger. Okay, okay, ladies and gentlemen. Penelope and Cranston. Penelope and Cranston. Thank you. appearing at the Boom Boom Room next week. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Now I'm going to Otto and his talking dog. But you know that whole thing about being a reissue of the Gomer Pile pilot. I understand now all of a sudden, I don't know why this name always stuck that whenever the sergeant wanted to make a joke about the girl back home it was always mary jane rotten crotch instead yeah. of doing <laughs> movie, so yeah it makes sense now yeah okay yeah okay that's for you <laughs> get it back on topic <laughs> uh, yeah, you started this um, <laughs> i don't know why people always go off on these tangents i just I, yeah really how, how does that happen but I no does idea. anybody but does anybody have one in particular, a universe that they think uh affected them most, uh, that they enjoyed most? Especially I think, you know, if you are saying, James, you're saying Desi Lou, you're counting Desi Lou as part of this, but all these things that Desi Lou are like unrelated. They're like Star Trek, nobody from Star Trek, you know, appears in Mayberry, Mayberry, you know, shows up, you know, somewhere, which is like the Danny Thomas thing is so with the Sheldon Leonard and um I think Sheldon Leonard and Danny Thomas things on here and the, the Daisy Lou stuff. I don't know. I think some of them cross over a little bit, but the, the characters have crossed over. Do you think no, of, do I, you remember any? I, I would say I wouldn't say that, you know, they were intertwined episode wise, you mm -hmm. know. So I would say that they were pretty much part of the universe as Lucy and Desi giving people a lot of breaks. Right, right. You know, but I'm saying that how their universes have like a common theme, a common thread. Like, you know, you talk about something, for instance, like the Mayberry Gomer Piled, all those things have that common thread or that homespun kind yeah, of thing. Well, I would, like I would, I would, I would, you know, I would say thing. that if, if there was any universe that was like combined, you know, political crossover, definitely it would be, um, the whole Green Acres, Petticoat Junction, Beverly Hillbillies episode, because mm -hmm. they were crossing over at will. Yeah. And all the other those things to be when you saw these shows, did any of them have any grand effect on your life view, your worldview? Well, <laughs> 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 with, with Green Acres. It had the life changing effect of like, wow, these people are really stupid, you know. Yes. And and, <laughs> yes. and Petticoat Junction is like, wow, these people are really stupid. And, <laughs> There's a and, theme running here, right? Yeah, the Velvet Hillbillies definitely these people are really stupid. What yeah. is going on? Yeah. Now, I think one universe we we missed for better or worse. Mm -hmm. I know some people have feelings about the universe. 
is the law and order homicide on the street chicago police yeah that is a universe. huge huge propaganda huge universe all that yes. yeah yeah so i mean and i used to watch law and order you know and but, but, what but you point? know one thing one thing goes before we move on real quick about the beverly hillbillies when i was a kid the beverly hillbillies is the first show that i heard about food that I ate in my house on television that I ate on a oh, regular basis. That's you true. know, like grits and, yes, and stuff southern, like that. You yes, never southern heard possum. that. Cuisine. Yeah, yeah, you never. Not possum. No, <laughs> nobody eats that. No, that, no, no, no. I have nobody. 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 Nobody I talk. Nobody I, I talk to. Nobody <laughs> cares. <laughs> No, I know a friend that knows some gentlemen from down south and they get together and barbecue and yes, uh -uh. he showed me uh -uh. a picture of the possum uh -uh. skin uh -uh. in the in no. the in the no. sink. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, I said no too. No, no, sorry. That's not working out for me. Nah, yes. that'll never that'll never touch my lips, but yes, people do eat possum. Mm. Possibly yeah. possum. Possibly. Yeah. Yeah, like yeah but that's true. Movies. They did have some of the southern show. Yeah, southern well, cuisine. Yeah. Well, I think dovetailing what Dane said, the, the overriding theme of all of those CBS Hillbilly shows was that invariably in every one of those shows, and especially in uh, Green Acres, where you had a resident city person, the country people always had pure values and more common sense than the city people and always ended up showing them up somewhere somewhere along the way. I thought that in the Green Acres that all those so-called country people were morons. You know? I didn't but find Mr. them Dean. to be all of them. Got, but they always got the edge over on Oliver no matter what. Yeah, because... Because yeah. the places that you got the um, patients running the asylum. That's all. <laughs> I mean, that place is ridiculous. You got to climb up a telephone pole to use the telephone. Yeah. What kind of craziness is that? Well, what else are you going to do with a telephone pole other than <laughs> use a phone? Yeah. And a there pig, we go. A pig as a pet. Yeah. yeah. Not a pet. As a child. They treat that thing like as a child. I mean, I hated that so much. I hated that so so much but that's now the current rage all the celebrities who buy bought a uh, pot belly baby pot belly pigs or whatever that's a long time ago please don't tell me yeah but again. it's back oh, what a bunch of morons mm, chitlins <laughs> but the other thing is didn't you think arnold ever got nervous because somebody was having a barbecue somewhere around there yeah no joke i mean i just <laughs> thought that you can't have black people in the show you know, but you can have a pig and treat it like it's a, a freaking child. Oh, I used to hate that so At least much. it didn't talk. At least it didn't mm. talk. No, it's even worse than that. It's not snorting like the animal it is, and they act like they can understand it. That's even worse. Yeah. Oh, my God, I hated that show. <laughs> well, a friend of mine who loves it always wonders what kind of drugs were the writers on to come up with some of those uh, plot lines. I don't know, but it's uh, somewhere not quite where HR Puffin stuff is, but it's getting close. Either that or now it explains Oxy now. So that explains it. Uh, well, you know, that's another universe we didn't talk about is Sid and Marty Croft, which is huge. 
for those of us used to watch those shows um, as kids, the cartoon, just, well, not cartoons here, yeah, you live action on, cartoons. You jumped on me. As much as I would love to say the MTM and the Lair universes affected me, it was the Croft and the Filmation Yeah, absolutely. I'm with those you. Those are the ones who sparked my, in, in my imagination and made me want to go into writing and I was like, wait, somebody got paid to do this? Wow, okay. That's I mean, I think it's great. That's great. How about Matt Groening? I know he has like, of course, The Simpsons and Futurama. Uh, of course, came that which you know jumped off of the Tracy Ullman show. And um I I, I love Futurama. I didn't think I would love Futurama because I saw it. Well, it's not like the Simpsons, but then it had certainly its own humor, its own flair. I always I, I still Love the fact, you know, that they came back and did Futurama again. I was really thrilled, very pleased. Um, the humor, I think, is is just lovely. I have you seen so, Disenchanted yet? I tried, but I could not get through Disenchanted. But you know what? I guess that, think... that sparks me. That how the hell? Okay, it's on Netflix. Yes, I mm -hmm. see that. It bypasses one round of censors. But how are some of the censors letting him get away with some of the things he's saying? Oh man, he says some. Oh, oh man. wow! The, the favorite line, yeah! Wow! Oh my! Mm-hmm. Like you're saying, but, so he's talking about God. Is it God? Well, my favorite fictional character. Yeah. Said, How in the world did they? On Fox. Well, yeah, on Fox. On Fox. It's the same thing you get if you watch uh, Family Guy on Fox, and then you watch an Adult Swim, and you said, "Did they? They actually could say that?" <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I do like, I think the Simpsons universe has been on, on so long, Futurama, not as long, but still long enough, that really has a thread, you know, a certain type of humor, a certain type of consciousness. So, you know, I, I really enjoyed the show, loved it. I mean, it only started when I was an adult, but still, you know, absolutely love the shows. And, um, Anybody else have one that stands out for them? You know, uh, don't you think that the Star Trek universe is is way over? Can a, can a universe be too much? It's an ever expanding universe. That's what they it's say. The expanding universe. They're taking it seriously. You know, they're really doing the expanding universe. Yeah, yeah that's I think, what they mean by universe. That's right. They keep that's going. Too much. My God. Yeah, I mean, you know, maybe they could take a little break. You know, or, or tail it back. But I mean, Marvel Universe—they're just—they're taking it to the extreme. I mean, that universe is something completely, you know, off the oh, they, chain. Yeah, they're well, they're reconsidering a lot of their stuff now. So yeah, they need to just slow their roll. Well, you know, well, I think they just kind of get a little bit too agitated and it's like throwing things out in all directions, hoping that something will stick. Because you know? they built their little bubble. And nobody could tell them to do any differently. So finally, when the writers and actors strike happened, they finally went, you know, and they watched the stuff. stuff. They're like, you know, maybe people mm -hmm. were right with their criticisms. So yeah. now they're actually listening and going, okay, what did we do wrong? One, yeah. you didn't follow. Yes, there's a reason why TV is made the way it's made. Mm -hmm. Because you can't operate it the same way you do a film. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I think the reason is that there are a lot of people who who made marvelous success because they just went to see the movies not knowing anything about the characters or the mm -hmm. history or the backstory. And I think when they did Guardians of the Galaxy, which I was saying, who are they talking about? 
And the actual Guardians of the Galaxy weren't an actual makeup that the ones are in the movie. So they said, hey, we can put anything on here and people will watch it. And then yeah, they discovered but... that doesn't exactly hold true. Well, they tried. Yeah. But with Guardians, they lucked out that they had somebody who really understood this comic book stuff so that he could adapt it. Yeah, you know, well, I, this, I was not a big fan of Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, I, there was some really good uh, image work, I think, in the second one. I wasn't visually. a big fan until the third one. When I yeah. see all three of them together in row, mm -hmm. I, was, I was like, oh, I see the big picture now. I, I, you know, I don't even know if I saw the third one. Did I see the third, third one? Third one will get you. Is that the one when uh, the what's the face jumps off the edge of the cliff? Third one was the High Evolutionary. I don't think I saw that one. I'm not sure. All this is kind of melding together. Yeah. You know, all these but I think now Marvel's learned its lesson um, that James Gunn, who's now in charge of DC, was always trying to tell them take the time mm. to write a good story, then worry about everything else. Yeah. Not just try to anticipate the good story. Mm. Um, well, I hope that they get that together. Because I'm going to tell you. Star Trek's now figuring out, okay, maybe not so many series, but maybe we can do special movies and stuff like that, mm -hmm. that Marvel at least has figured out ahead of them. Yeah, or maybe just for some limited series things. Those yeah. would be nice. I like, you know, just tell us a whole story like it's a novel. You start at the beginning, you go all the way through to the end, and then you end it, and then that's it. Don't anticipate. It's like a lot of K-dramas are that way. It's just like a novel, and you're just watching it, and it's the beginning, a middle, and then it ends. No second season, because it's just like a novel. You finished it. It's all done now, mm -hmm. and move on to the next. So, yeah, I, I hope that, that we will see more of that. All right. Well, I'm looking at the clock. I mean, well, the digital countdown here on the screen i'm not going to say that because you're going to complain so yes this digital countdown here on the screen timer on the screen yes yes and um i want to thank everybody for joining on the show and i don't think everybody yes has told us whether or not they have a particular universe i mean i know sonia said her city marty croft and i think and the formation she yeah. information says that about um early MTM, but James, have you weighed in? Uh, I guess it would have to be, um, I like what was done with um, the Law and Order universe. Really? Yeah, because see, with really? Law and Order, especially with special victims, they showed that DAs can be just as slimy as, as other lawyers. Well, they were always slimy all the way through the Law and Order, and they cheated, and they lied, and you know I thought it was reprehensible. That's why I don't like it. But I did like the handover between Homicide and Law and Order because they didn't seem like they were connected, and then when they did connect them, especially through Munch, it, yeah. it you know two different production companies came together and you could see one production company went here you take everything else I, we can't do no more yeah, i only saw the original law and order i did not see svu i didn't see any of the other things just the original law and order That's and, the, and, and then there's actually a mysterious crossover i i heard about with um 
what is it, Man from Uncle, and some other TV show, which I have to do uh, research and find out about that. NCISC. NCIS. Yeah. Uh, what's his name? David McCollum. No, 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 no. I'm talking about actually back then. Oh. Yeah, the Ooh, original. Man from Uncle and the Girl from Uncle. Yeah, you had Man from Uncle, you had Girl from Uncle. Mm -hmm. But I had came across something about Man from Uncle Cross had a crossover episode with some other TV show that was on at the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I had, I had to look into that. Yeah, how about you, Roxanne? What's your go-to changed my life or it's changed a part of my life view universe? Well, you know, that's why I've been so quiet because none of them. <laughs> well, that's good to know. No, I, I just, you know, watching, I mean, I, now granted, you know, I don't know anything about law and order and blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. But, you know, for the older shows, you know, it's just like, this is this is fantasy land. I mean, I knew it mm. was real. And um, so that's why I can't say they had any effect. I mean, they were, you know, sometimes they were funny, sometimes not. Mm -hmm. But <laughs> that's but that's it. I mean, I knew they I knew it was Hollywood, let's put it that way. Mm -hmm. So no, they didn't have they but really didn't have the way that you knew they were Hollywood and made you positive about the creative side you know you knew they were hollywood that's that's a yeah, profound exactly, thing. exactly i think if i can't say it didn't have a, an effect on my worldview or anything like that mm -hmm. but um i think the only one that had any effect on me whatsoever was all in the family because you know archie i mean granted he's a caricature of uh, people who think like he did, mm -hmm. he did, does. But, you know, but there are people who applauded the show because they thought it was real. Wow, oh, wow. And, you know, and maybe for some people it was, but, you know, I always thought that uh, all in the family, I'm not gonna say really poke fun at people like Archie, but show them for the ridiculous, you know, people that they are agreed. agreed and um and that so i guess that's the only show that ever had any kind of impression on me mm -hmm. all of the rest mm -hmm. you know not really Roxanne, your comment reminds me of a factoid i just saw that ronald reagan's favorite tv sitcom was family ties i can imagine oh, i talked about that before yeah. he oh. never realized that the alex p keaton was a caricature of people who followed him yes mm -hmm. he thought yeah. they thought it was real yeah but obviously many people did you know and that's unfortunate now cranston how about you did you weigh in yet yeah well i'll say the thing about reagan liking family ties and that's a weird thing that you had a former actor who knows he's watching actors but he doesn't see them acting is really kind of frightening. Mm -hmm. And it means a lot. Um, yeah. I'll say in general, uh, the MTM shows, because it shows you how we could be now. Yeah. The uh, Roddenberry shows, because it shows you how we could be later on. And uh, also like the um, 
the uh, Law and Order shows because even though for years I was duped and it wasn't until John Oliver pointed out just how uh, how uh, how inaccurate they could be because I think they said the Stabler's clear rate was like 77% or something like that, which means he should have been commissioner by now at that rate. Mm -hmm. But um, it does show you a kind of a... Um, it does open up some conversations in, in some of the B and C story conversations they had. And it makes you wonder about, well, exactly what are we doing and what's the difference between law and justice? So, mm -hmm. All right. And Otto, I think you said MTM universe, but I want to come back to you and see if that's what it is that you're saying. Yeah, I say MTM because it showed black people being taken seriously. Mm -hmm. You know, Denzel being a, a, a intern, a medical intern, mm -hmm. and being taken seriously. Um, and then, of course, the, the spinoff from that universe is the James Brooks universe, where you had, like, um, the paper chase and um, and uh, taxi and those kind of realistic mm -hmm. kind, of, uh, kind of shows. They were great. Mm -hmm. So those are my two go-to universes. All right. All right. Well, um, did everybody get to speak their piece on their universe of, of choice? Anybody else? All right, y'all. Well, with that said, I guess we're um, wrapping it up. So what thank about you yours, all. Though? I said, well, you know, I might, of course, have a few things. Like, of course, the MTM universe, I'm saying, you know, throughout a little bit, but also like The Simpsons and uh, Futurama. You know, again, again, they came up after I was an adult, but there is, you know, this certain level of humor during periods that were very hard, you know, going through, I mean, what we thought at the time, you know, Bush Quail, you know, during, you know, Tracy Ullman's show, period the first season of The Simpsons, we thought that was the worst thing that could happen to us. Boy, were we wrong. <laughs> so going through to have this type of, you know, acerbic humor, you know, uh, political humor also, you know, with throughout the Simpsons, sometimes very um, cathartic. So, yeah, that and, and same, you know, things, issues like Futurama, it is uh, a different type of uh, humor, fun, cathartic, but, but all in all, of course, also with MTM, you know, that goes out saying that that, you know, from, you know, St. Elsewhere to Mary Tyler Moore, you know, uh, White Shadow that what great television. So definitely those. And Blurred Assassins in the future will be saying the shows that had the most influence on their upbringing was the Kardashians and the Real Housewives. Thank you so much, Chris, <laughs> because I could have just gone to bed uh, feeling good, but you, you put uh, that out there. And thank you, sir. Not if we <laughs> have anything to say about it. Yeah, my goodness gracious. <laughs> Mm -mm. It's a right. madhouse. A madhouse. Yeah, no, you have to train sure, right or something. Wow, that that is so awful. Yeesh. Um, right, y'all. Well, that being said, everybody, thank you so much for joining us this evening. One more thing. Yes, yes. I want to say yeah. rest in power to Carl Weathers and Rita yeah. and Cheetah uh, Rivera. Um, Carl Weathers passed, and Cheetah was in um, Kiss of the Spider Women. Yeah, oh, I mean, also, you have to recall, she was also in uh, Sweet Charity. Yeah. I was thinking of all the genre type stuff, but mm -hmm. yeah, Carl hit, hit 
hard in the gut. Yeah, yeah. And unfortunately, a lot of people just know him now as part of the Mandalorian. They don't know his great body of work. Yeah. They don't know about Sheeta at all. And and Rocky didn't win. Apollo Creed won that fight. That's right. First Rocky, he did not win. All right. Again, y'all, thank you all so much. Have a wonderful remainder of your weekend. And we'll be back again next week with more discussions from the other hood. Uh, have a productive week. And good night. Good night. Good night. Stay warm. Good night. In the Midwest, stay cool. <laughs> <laughs>